Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to this week's edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. I am Tim Fitzgerald, despite how I sound. A little froggy. You got the suds. Oh, yeah, I got a little deepness going on with the gold. Different Shield, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gills, Gilbert, right here as we celebrate Gills' departure from the country. We finally got him to leave the country. But he's going to the Bahamas to cover basketball for you people. Boy, there's going to be an international incident. I see it coming. Gills and my friend Kelly in Vegas in one spot overseas. We're going to have to send in SEAL Team 6 to get him out because they'll be such a ruckus. We got some great questions from Wabash Station this week. We're going to do football in the first half and then basketball in the second half, or both sports are up and going. Of course, the Wildcats on the hardwood played Monday night against South Dakota State, a very good team from South Dakota State, and handled them pretty easily despite being even more shorthanded than they were the first two games. And, of course, Kansas and Kansas State tangle in the Abolition Bowl on um, – I'm sticking with it, Zach. That's tomorrow's DD, by the way. We'll talk about yeah. the lame uh, trophy that is the Governor's Cup um, later. And uh, that will be in Lawrence, 6 p.m. Our Michael Goins, Cole Carmody, and Zach Carlson will be on hand for that. I'll be anchored in the studio directing traffic between the Bahamas and, of course, everyone's favorite resort town in Kansas, Lawrence. I'm jealous of those three that they get to go to Lawrence. I'm willing to take one for the team, though, to not only go to Vegas last week and now go to the Bahamas. You are a, you're a giver, man. You take yep. the bad assignments. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Having to spend three days in Vegas with me. And, well, that was the bad part about it. You know, and then uh, now you get to uh, spend time with Kelly um, that geez, she's going to. Yeah. They have gambling in the Bahamas. So I didn't two know will, that. Yeah. You two we will were be talking very about happy. That. Was, yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
Didn't know there was a casino. Oh, yeah. I had no clue. No clue. Oh, yeah. Um, We're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. That's no gamble. Get into the fridge as soon as you can. I mean as soon as you can because you want to get the liquor while it's fresh, and they have all the freshest liquor in town right there at the fridge. Best prices, best best display, best help, best everything. I love the fridge. Can you do it for me? We love the fridge. Thank you, Mr. President. We love the fridge. We love everyone that works at the fridge except that one guy. I'm going to let them wonder who that one guy is. They're probably meeting about this. Who's the one guy Fitz doesn't like? I like everyone. All the mics. And, of course, Kevin. Mike's Corner of This and That in the town in which we live. On with your questions from Wabash Station with the first half question-asking duties is Ryan Gills Gilbert. From KSU number one, Will Howard officially owning the career touchdowns. Uh, touchdowns symbolizes everything that makes K-State so special by triumphing over adversity. Where do you rank Howard amongst the K-State QBs of all time? This is a great question. And you know what? Uh, in fairness, um, we talked about this on the Insiders. We need to see the finished resume. I mean, if Will Howard, if you know things break right, um, and the Big 12 doesn't change rules too many times here on their tiebreakers. And everything plays out the way it needs to play out. Yeah, let's just say yeah. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both lose and K-State wins out. Um, Easy. Then, then K-State's in. If Will Howard takes him to back-to-back Big 12 title games, let alone wins back-to-back championships, folks, I think he moves up there um, You know, in that stratosphere. He's not going to get past Bishop or Klein, they were both you know, Heisman Trophy finalists, but I think that puts him in the same category as L. Roberson, and that's pretty amazing for a guy a lot of K-State fans were done with a few weeks ago, but his, his career accomplishments are pretty impressive, and now he's closing in on Will's single-season touchdown record of 23 passes for t- 24 passes of touchdowns. Why can't I get this number right? It's a tough number. 24. 24. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got a journalism degree, not... Mathematics. Uh, well, I had, a, I had a minor in mathematics. <laughs> well, I I applied it like at two for night in Aggieville. And I knew yeah. that meant you get two <laughs> for one. That's my math degree. But, yeah, I think he's got to be up there. But let's see the completed resume. Um, let's be honest here. Uh, Josh Freeman was an incredible quarterback. Um, and, yeah, unfortunately for Josh, who's a great guy, he ends up with the Ron Prince asterisk next to his career. But that was who he broke the record of. And we never talk about him being in the greatest quarterbacks. So the guy with one more touchdown is in the greatest. Let's see the complete resume here and what happens. Well, he's going to have more than one, I think. Yeah. You know, right now. Right. Right now. We're not hanging a banner and putting him up on the the, uh, edge of the stadium anytime. Uh, But he could get there. He really could. He's got... Three more games to play if he stays healthy as a Wildcat. Maybe four if they get to that Big 12 championship. And he could rack up some really impressive accolades and and numbers in that time. I've always been a defender of Will Howard on this podcast. But like Fitz has said, I think you're going to need to see the completed resume. I think that you're going to need to see until the end of the season. He's very well... I mean, there's still a very good possibility provided, like you said, the tiebreakers don't change. He can win another Big 12 championship. Um, you know, he could make a New Year's Six Bowl game. I mean, there's so much still on the table for Will Howard. There's still maybe he comes back for another season. I mean, there's still a lot of question marks, you know, as to what his future is going to be, 
you know, with K-State. But the point stands, you know, he has the record for passing touchdowns. He can set the single season record, and he probably will, you know, this season. But I think you're going to need to see, and you probably need to wait a couple years to see, you know, how he's remembered. I think that people will look back on this time, and I think he'll be remembered in the future maybe a little more positively than what they viewed him, you know, during his career. And I think it's just he's always had competition. He's always had Skylar Thompson, who's in the NFL. He's always had Adrian Martinez, who's who had a, a good career at Nebraska, whether Nebraska fans enjoyed that or not. Adrian Martinez was a good quarterback. And now he's got Avery Johnson, you know, trying to, to take – I mean, I don't want to say take his job, but Avery Johnson is going to be a very good quarterback going forward. And I think that Avery's success probably impacts how people will view Will in this, this time period of his career. I think Will Howard has had a great career at K-State, and he should be better rewarded and better treated by the fans for how well he's played when he's played well. And really, when you look at the times he hasn't played well, it's about where you might expect K-State to be year in, year out. You know, that 8-4, and 8-5 and five type of season. That's what the baseline ex- expectations are for K-State football. So, you know, you can get upset. He didn't have a good game one time or, you know, whatever else. Or Avery had a really good game at Texas Tech. It doesn't stop the fact that Will Howard has played great football more often than not for the Wildcats. Agreed. Gilbert, do you, you have You guys opinions? nailed it. I mean, other than just letting it marinate, I don't have it. You know, much else to add. Yeah, I, I'm really curious to see, um, you know, down the road where we – regard him and again you've got to play through the season and see what happens i mean if they go to a bowl game and they lose in lawrence they lose in a bowl game you know whether or not it's will howard related it will impact his legacy but let's point out he is the third quarterback at kansas state to win a big 12 title and the other two are in the in the ring they're up there with l and colin so that's something to be said but you know let's just see it how the season ends and what happens and um i'm still optimistic that the door might open for kansas state and they might get a chance to play in arlington we do have to wait and see with howard but to answer the question i'd go in that five to ten range he's not top five but he's got to be in the top ten. Oh, absolutely i'd put him top five well let's talk about that real quick we've already mentioned three guys l and uh What's that guy's name? Michael Bishop. Colin Klein. Colin Klein. And then, you know, for us that were around, Jonathan Beasley's got to be pretty close to them. Um, but, yeah, you maybe you're right. See, I think Jonathan Beasley is going to find himself falling down the list of quarterbacks as, as yeah. time. And a lot of it's just time going on and, you right. know, people remembering different eras of K-State football differently. But... I think that when you when it comes down to two-year quarterbacks over that four-year span, you're always going to pick Michael Bishop. And I think that Jonathan Beasley is going to kind of fall off of the that radar of, you know, that Snyder 1.0, what was the best moments. Right. You think Michael Bishop, you think the Big 12 championship with yeah. L. Yeah, so, I agree with all that. And it depends on if we're going Snyder forward or we're going back and adding Lynn Dickey and Steve Grogan. I mean, Lynn Dickey was, is – most certainly in the top five quarterbacks of all time at Kansas State. And you could make an argument Josh Freeman might be too. I mean, the guy was a first-round pick. He was in the NFL, um, and he put up some really big numbers for what was overall a, a lousy football program under Ron Prince. But it wasn't Josh Freeman's fault 
per se. So right. it, it is interesting. And K-State is building up a pretty good list of quarterbacks. I mean, we didn't even talk about Jake Waters, who was vastly underappreciated and owns some K-State passing records himself. So uh, they, they brought in some good ones. It, I mean, it depends what you think as the best, right, with hoops. Michael Beasley is clearly the best guy to ever play in purple. But as far as the impact, the legacy that you leave on your school, guys like Poland and Barry Brown, Magruder certainly have a better impact that they that they left in Manhattan. Yeah, I agree. Did we just change subjects? He did. He always I did. I always got to bring basketball into he it. I always right? got to bring it back to basketball. So yeah. it depends on, with football, what is your definition of best? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, basketball is so much easier because you have such cut and dried statistics that to right. reach the point where football is a little more vague. I mean, particularly when you get into, you know, touchdown passes versus passing yardage versus overall victories and all that stuff, let alone trying to judge best offensive linemen. Is Cooper Beebe the often best offensive lineman? Look at the stats. I don't know. I mean, we don't yeah. see pancakes and blocks and sacks given up and all that stuff. Is he the best defensive lineman? He's the best two-way offensive. No, two-way. He's not even the best two-way offensive defensive lineman. That'd be um, uh, Damian McIntosh, who started off on the defensive side, moved to tackle, was an outstanding tackle. And then they didn't have any defensive tackles, and they moved him to tackle, and he was, again, very good. Was it Damian McIntosh? Let's move on before I make up more names. From O2 Cat, I'm a little surprised that the career record for passing touchdowns was only 44. Yeah. With modern day offense, how long does Will's record stand? Well, you got to understand, Bill Snyder wasn't someone to play young quarterbacks. I mean, that's that's the biggest deterrent here, is the fact that uh, Michael did come in and play two years. Jonathan came in as a freshman, um, but he didn't really see the field till later in his career because of Michael. Um, Chad May came in as a transfer. Matt Miller came in as a transfer. Um, Jake Waters came in as a transfer. Um, so there haven't been many four-year quarterbacks. Skylar Thompson would have been one of them, but he was so banged up throughout his career. Yeah. Or, but he still has the most starts of any quarterback at K-State. So <laughs> I wonder uh, he has the most starts. I wonder how many uh, who has the most finishes because he didn't finish <laughs> a lot of games because he, he took a lot of hits here. So, yeah, it, it, I agree. And I'll just be honest here. This is a record that can easily be broken yeah. in, in the future. Avery already Avery already has three. Yeah, if you so. get a guy like Avery Johnson and he plays three more full seasons at Kansas State, he's going to destroy that record, maybe by the end of his junior year. Hey, think about it. The single season is 24. You put two seasons like that back-to-back, you own the record as, as of now. Crazy. Cr- yeah, crazy to think about. I agree. Thank you. Yeah. That's good. From um, really? Nanny, Nanny Sassenfrass. That's what I was going to say. Okay. Thank you. What preseason take has borne itself out uh, borne itself out now that the season is is winding down? What was that? What's take? What, what preseason take has borne itself out now that the season oh, is that Texas almost Tech done? Is awesome. Yeah, I think I, I think I called it that Texas Tech would win the Big 12 title. Moving on. Oh yeah, I remember those preview videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was um, that was a time. I don't know. I didn't really have any hot takes on K State football. I think the wide receiver issues are yeah. mostly sorted out now. And then again, preseason, I think everybody was looking like, oh, look at all these great wide receivers they have, and I don't know. 
maybe that was just me always being like, let's let's see it on the field first. But well, I think that they have the, good options now. The optimism about the offensive line is kind of bearing itself out now as we get further down into the season they're starting to play like they should have been playing mm-hmm. so i yeah, i don't remember many yeah it's more turning it into the preseason takes are now becoming correct after being completely wrong at the beginning of the season yeah. i think that's the issue yeah i i guess my take that has bared itself out is that the offense will be fine without deuce vaughn that they can diversify this offense and and get enough from their running backs um to really replicate it. You don't replicate some of the, I think I've said this before, the, the comfort level you have knowing that Deuce can hit the home run. Um, you know, it's kind of like, hey, we don't need a rally in baseball. We don't need a nickel and dime this because, you know, Gills hits a home run every other swing. And this is a fantasy world in which I'm living right now. But it, it, it's the same kind of comfort. You've got someone that's going to bail you out if you're in a situation. And maybe they don't have that this year. Maybe that's been apparent in some of these close road games. Uh, but, yeah, I think the, the fact that everyone in the national media at least thought K-State would take a step back offensively without Deuce Vaughn has – and I pushed back on that. I thought, no, they, they've got some guys. And this offensive system was not about just Deuce Vaughn. And DJ Giddens, most notably, has, has shown that they're still effective running the ball and throwing to the running backs. From Eric Schneid, why is the Governor's Cup the lamest rivalry God. trophy? Well, now the Blue Bonnet uh, Bowl thing with the Blue Bonnet. What is it now? They're, TCU and Baylor has concocted the Blue Bonnet rattle. Really? This is news to me. So the Blue Bonnet, uh, there used to be a great bowl game in texas called the blue bonnet bowl um, because it's a flower known well through texas but they just decided as a committee or something to rename their game the blue bonnet game whatever blue bonnet showdown blue bonnet tussle i don't even know what it is and they did put together a truly lame trophy it looks like um someone went to the local awards plaques and said give me your biggest thing i mean it's just it's weird But yes, I hate the Governor's Cup. I hate the fact that we play the Sunflower Showdown, which we need to get rid of while Texas is adding another flower-based rivalry for a football game. Lame. And And the fact that we invite politicians into locker rooms bugs me. It just does. It always has for a Governor's Cup. What did the governor do to get this damn cup? And I'm telling you, I'm taking a stand on tomorrow's daily or today's daily delivery. Rename this the Abolition Bull, and we're going to play for a replica of John Brown's rifle. We, and in all seriousness, we should celebrate the history of the state better and not being about sunflowers. Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Uh, the Orange Bull trophy, that, but with sunflowers. No, man. It looked cool. We just need a trophy for Farmageddon. But when we're on the topic of lame trophies, remember when Iowa and Iowa State created that weird new one where it was like a family looking over a sad pail of yeah, corn? Yeah, that was so weird. That should be the Farmageddon trophy. Actually, the looking like, oh, crap, we live in Iowa. That was the look on their face. So what if we just gave Gilbert to the loser of the game? And they had to babysit him for the whole year. And eventually, 
I mean, you'd get motivated to get rid of him. It would really add a lot of heat to this rivalry. You know, I actually think the problem with the Governor's Cup is it's on a pedestal. It should just be the metal cup. There should not be a wooden base with all of the scores on it. I would agree. Like, the scores are irrelevant. And it looks like they updated the pedestal this year. Well, I think or, they ran out of room. Okay. I mean, but, like, if you're going to run out of room, like, you're taking a whole bunch of scores off. It's not the Stanley Cup where you're taking teams off after a certain century or whatever. You know, I think you don't need to – if you're going to add, either add a band or, you know, just make it the cup. Just just what? a silver cup. Yeah. No. It doesn't need a wooden pedestal. It doesn't need any. It doesn't need the governor. It doesn't need any of that. It should be the Sunflower Cup if you're going to have the Sunflower Showdown. Ooh, perfect. <coughs> Watch tomorrow's daily delivery, which you will see today as you listen to this podcast. I'm getting very confused about what day it is. It'll be Wednesday's daily delivery. Zach, remind me to do that because by the end of this podcast, I'll forget my topic. I'm going I'm to write down. Gil, you got any thoughts on trophies? Because nope. you're a trophy. Yep. I just hope that what you said becomes a real thing. That we give you away to the yes. loser? Okay. Would love to go live in Lawrence for a year. Not really. Okay. Last question. General Big 12 Championship tiebreaker talk. Yes. I From put this Zach. in here since I put this in here since there were questions and there were a lot of scenarios and it's just there's still 16,000 like 384 or yeah, something. You said that there's still six It's it's eligible. two to the 14th power is the number of possible outcomes of the final 14 conference games. Like to get to a, you know, that's that's what the result. If you want to make a parlay, essentially, there's 16,000 parlays Folks, that exist. Zach is a business major. He did not choose to get into this. He was sucked into this life. So Gills and I looked at each other at tube to the 14th power and went, why is he talking Latin all of a sudden? What's this foreign language in which he speaks? Or numbers Latin. I yeah, I, I don't know. But yeah, it's it's. there's still so much. And we are stressed out about it. In fact, I just had someone at the door that interrupted the podcast. But <laughs> that they asked me, uh, it was a legitimate person. They asked me, what's going on with the tiebreakers? And it does sound like the Big 12 is going to clarify, which actually means change what the text says. I just think it's ridiculous because when you go look at the Pac-12's tiebreaker procedures, they are well-written, and they are exactly what the Big 12 meant to do. I'm certain of it. Yeah. But I, for a multi-team tie, you need – like if you're going to have a multi-team tie and if nobody played each other, you can't do a round robin. There's no round robin there. You have to move on down the road. I get that Oklahoma State beat K-State no you. That, look, but I, I'm let me let me okay. straddle this fence. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I am greatly opposed to changing rules in midstream. Uh, that's just a bad precedent. They've never done it in K-State's advantage. Of course, the Big 12 would do it against K-State. I mean, what happened in 98 with the bowl games remains a travesty. And K-Staters, honestly, 25 years later, we're still pissed off about it that the third-ranked team in the country played in the fifth-place bowl for the Big 12 because everyone jumped the gun and assumed that K-State would win the game, and they didn't. It would have been so easy to unwind the bowl invitations and redo them. But no, the Big 12 said, too late. We already had this in place, and now they're going to undo it. So I don't think changing rules in midstream is something this conference has done or should do. But in the other side of that is the simple truth 
what does it matter if K-State and Oklahoma didn't play? Because if they had played, no matter the outcome of the game, Oklahoma State wins the round robin. There is no outcome of K-State and Oklahoma playing that changes the fact that O-State beat them both and should win that. So I'm I'm really split over this. It's unfair to Oklahoma State. It's a stupid, stupid, stupid rule. Someone needs to be held accountable that, honestly, a lot of smart people, including the guy to my left, looked at these these rules, tiebreaker rules, and said, what a muddled mess this is. I, just, I don't know how you – there's a, like the exact same procedures exist in other conferences, and you had to go and you looked at the bullet points, and then you wrote your own. With your own language, you didn't know what you were saying. You didn't convey a clear, proper message. And I, I'm shocked that nobody in the conference tried running a simulation based on the, yeah. the words that they wrote. I'm surprised that none of the teams, none of the schools said, hey, these are kind of weird. We should probably clarify these before we reach you know, the second to last week of the season when we're looking at this. But you know, to your point, I think if you lose against worse teams – in the conference, that matters, even if you beat the other two teams you're tied with. Yep. It's not K-State no use fault that they beat UCF. It just isn't. And it's yeah. not K-State's fault or o- OU's fault that they didn't play each other this year. This, it, this is my other problem with this is, is when you look at the tiebreaker of the round robin of you three schools, you realize that there is a round robin here. And, yes, Kansas State lost to, you know, some teams here. But Oklahoma State lost to UCF and got pounded. And because of that, they're at an advantage because they weren't involved in the round robin. You play one of the worst teams in the conference. You get your you-know-what handed to you. And that's a good thing in the round robin? What? That doesn't make sense to me. And that's, again, I don't know. Let's go back to when the Big 12 was... Everybody played everybody with 10 teams, but they didn't have a championship game. How did you determine your champion? Well, they split the champions, but when you look at it, someone was a true champion. You played ahead of it. And and it's not, you know, even though, let's say there's two teams, eight and one. 2012, K-State and OU. K-State beats OU, and then K-State loses to Baylor. But OU runs the table otherwise. Is it? OU's fault that they beat KU or that they lost to K State, but they beat Baylor and K State lost to Baylor. That's crazy. They are both champions. As as painful as it might be to admit that, K State and OU split the championship in 2012. I don't think they did. Did they? I don't. I think the conference recognized Kansas. No. OU got a trophy. They are Big 12 champions. Hmm. And it's the same thing that happened in 2014 with the college football playoff. The mess. Baylor and TCU, they're both our champions. Everybody got a trophy when they split. I mean, it's just, and, it's and what happened. Nobody got in the playoff because of it. And, and nobody got in the playoff because of that. But I think that the same theory there, if you're going to give, and I think it's valid, you know, if, if you beat everybody except the team you lost to, and the team that you lost to lost to somebody else down the road that you beat, you still have a claim to that title, I think. So I think that, you know, as much as, Oklahoma State, yes, in a perfect world, they beat Oklahoma, they beat K-State, but that's not the way the conference set up their schedule this year. There is no round robin. That's how it's going to be, and they need to clarify these rules eventually, maybe not this year, at least figure out what you were trying to do and admit it, 
because I think that if you come in and say, well, actually, we did mean to put in a, a caveat that said if of the three tied teams, if one of the teams played both of them and beat both of them, then they would win the tiebreaker because that's just it's it, it's convoluted. I mean, it, you constructed that that argument there that wouldn't have existed and it doesn't exist in any other tiebreaker rules anywhere. Here, I, I guess, just, I guess my advice uh, for Gene Taylor, and I know he probably really listens to my advice is to push back hard on this, knowing that you'll probably lose the vote. I mean, a sense of fairness will win out um, and they'll vote to change it, but push back because um, K-State's been steamrolled in this area so many times. Young fans can't understand how many times the rules of basketball or football have been changed because of Kansas State. I mean, you go back to back in the day when Daryl Winston tipped in the ball and was fouled, and and we didn't realize at the time, oh, that's not a shot. Tips were not a shot. So it was a non-shooting foul, and the basket didn't count. In an NCAA tournament game, that K-State ended up losing, and they changed the rule the next year. So essentially the alley-oop and semi-pro is what you're saying when he called it a foul. That was a real situation back in the 70s. Oh, I didn't remember that. Um, and, of course, uh, the the pregame dunk that Brian Older <laughs> forever changed the rules. Like Kentucky needed the advantage oh. um, of shooting free throws to start the game yeah. because someone dunked, a walk-on dunked in the pregame, something never called. Something walk-on never does anyway. I know, and that changed the next year. And then, of course, it's literally called the K-State rule when they altered the ball, the bowl picks to have to wait till after the championship games played because of what happened in 98. I'll tell you what, if Michigan is willing to sue in federal court over a coach's suspension, I think that K-State, and I'm serious, if, if the Big 12 changes their tiebreaker rules to anything other than clarify exactly how we ex- – expect them to be at the moment i think k-state should sue and find a k-state judge find a k-state judge like michigan yes michigan judge <laughs> Jeez. yes so that's it for the first half of the Pirate questions podcast a whole lot of basketball waits on the other side ryan gilbert won't shut up it'll be glorious i'll just sit here and cough mostly over all of his important topics all of his thoughts i'll just cough <laughs> we'll be back GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to this week's edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. Fitz, Zach, Gills right here with two dogs that interrupted the first half with a lot of barking. Uh, I mean, a lot of barking. 
They knew someone was at the door. We're in the basement in the studio, and none of us knew someone was at the door. And yet, there was someone at the door. They're crazy. I sensed it the moment the doorbell rang that someone was at the door. I know to hear it. We're sponsored <laughs> by The Fridge. Um, they're like the friendly person ringing your doorbell, but they have alcohol. I don't, I don't even know what that means. Go to The Fridge. Make sure you stop in The Fridge. This is the corner of uh, Claflin and Westport. I got right. it. Yep. I'm still never confident. You still have to think about I it really for a couple do. seconds. Every time. I really need to get the road signs in here so I can just look at it. The Fridge Wholesale Liquor have been longtime sponsors of this podcast, and we appreciate Kevin and the gang sticking with us despite despite all the stupidity. Speaking of stupidity, Ryan Gilbert's going to actually read the first question of this half, and then uh, Zach will take over because uh, Zach needs to pipe in on this first question more than the other two of us. Gills, speak now. From the yes. old barn cat 78, if K-State wins out in football does not, but does not play in the championship game, rank what bowls they could be invited to. Zach? So the Big 12's bowls that they have that are not New Year's Six, you have the Alamo Bowl, which theoretically should be. There is a pecking order. Yeah, there is a, there is a pecking order here. The, and it, <coughs> the bowls get a pick in order. They don't necessarily have to pick down the standings. So theoretically, the Alamo Bowl is your first pick. Right. They should pick the Big 12 championship game loser, provided neither are in the loser. New Year's or provided the loser isn't in the New Year's Six game. Which, if it's Oklahoma, Texas, they will be. Yeah, but also you got to think a lot of these bowl games. They would love to have Oklahoma and Texas for the last time if they're not, you know, an SEC bowl. So you have Alamo Bowl, which is Big 12, Pac 12, which, by the way, is also going to need to find a new conference partner in the future so maybe they team up with the sec maybe they team up with the big 10 who knows maybe you know acc swack anything you know but that that bowl game is going to change but the alamo bowl is the first bowl in in the pecking order and i think that k-state could go to the alamo bowl because they haven't been in nine years it's been i can't believe it's been nine years since well, it was the 2015 Alamo Bowl for the 2014 season. Right. New Year's happened. And they were at Saturday's game. Yeah, they were there. Pop-Tarts Bowl is the next pick in the third position. That's the game in Orlando. You play the ACC. When I say third pick, New Year's Six is first. Um, right. But they're, the game formerly known as the Tangerine Bowl in Orlando is can the you, third pick against can you name the ACC. All the different names it's been. Blockbuster was one. Yes. Uh, the Russell Athletic is the main one for the last mm-hmm. however many years. It was years. Camping World for a while. Then it was Camping World, and then the Cheese It Bowl for a couple seasons, and then now it's the Pop Tart Bowl. Everyone's most healthy, delicious breakfast treat. When I think of college football prestige, I think of the Pop Tart Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, in, in in serious note, K-State's never been to that bowl game of the current lineup, the main the main lineup. After a certain point, you get into the Texas Bowls that are just kind of the filler bowls that you're going to play your military institutions, your AAC, Mountain West, you know, just kind of the, the filler pool bowls that are, you know, Armed Forces Bowl, Surf Pro Bowl. K-State's probably not going to go to those. I feel pretty no. confident there. Well, if K-State wins out, they will either be in the Alamo or the Pop-Tart. I, I'm confident. I, I'm probably 90, 95% there. I, I agree. Um, I, the the one caveat would be, for some reason, 
a second team doesn't get into the the New Year's Six. So I don't see a scenario where that is. And um, you know, Oklahoma State gets picked, and Oklahoma gets picked to be ahead of you, and, and next thing you know, you're in, in the next bowl down. That'd be very K State, by the way. And, and like I mentioned. The Bulls aren't necessarily going to pick down the standings. They're no. going to pick the teams that they want. And the issue with the Pop-Tarts Bowl that we've kind of discovered is it's Big 12 versus ACC. And KU has had one of their best seasons in forever. Yep. It's a lot of football fans that have not necessarily been to bowl games nope. in the last decade. And they get to play an ACC school, which who else is in the ACC that might land in Orlando. You might have North Carolina, which would be a fun basketball matchup. You might have Duke, which is another fun basketball matchup. I think that when it comes to selling tickets uh, that these bowl games want, KU, as hard as it might be for us to admit, is a very lucrative school for a bowl game that gets to play an ACC school. Especially when you look at the levels of what these teams might be in the game. KU Duke in the Pop-Tarts Bowl is a very real kind of scary possibility if you're a K-State fan because if you don't make the Alamo Bowl, which that's for the Big 12 runner-up, theoretically reserved for, who they might take OU or Texas ahead of K-State, regardless of what the records are, what the standings are. So you don't go there. If KU goes to the Pop-Tarts Bowl, well, now... Are you going to go back to the Texas Bowl, which you really might not want to do two years later? No. And then after that, it goes uh, Liberty Bowl, no. which is where a lot of current places or a lot of a lot of projections are having K State currently go to That's against Mississippi State, who just fired their coach of all teams. Be total B. Which a whole other side rant, and maybe the Big Twelve should do this, but the SEC assigns their teams to bowl games not the bowl games. So the bowl games are the ones that get there. There's no reason for reps to go to bowl games in the sec really, because no, they're not, they just get, you're going Mississippi well, state. You're going to the Liberty honest, bowl. There's no reason for reps to go anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> right. 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 What a cush job. Uh, uh, anyhow. Yeah. I'm again, let's, let's get through the season. Right. And worry about this. I mean, if you take care of business, you're going to be in a, a good bowl. Uh, I, I, going to say that Orlando sounds great, but it's not cheap to get there this time of year. And over that Christmas holiday, no. a lot of family vacations to Orlando. It's the rooms aren't cheap. The airfare is outrageous. I mean, you, you probably would be best off if someone organized, it's not going to be me, um, charter flights in into Orlando. Based on what the prices are commercial, it might actually be cheaper. Right out of MHK, right in there. Well, you could get Allegiant to fly to their other airport in Orlando that's 30 minutes away from everything. They have a second airport in Orlando? Yeah, up like north, kind of towards UCF-ish. That's where Allegiant flies all their, their planes. Did not know that. Yeah. There you go. There we go. We've talked about that. Let's move on. Zach, you got to take over. I don't now. even, think, that, oh, yeah. I don't even right. think you guys mentioned the actual breakdown of what needs to happen for K-State. That's it. If they win, yeah, that's if they win out. Okay, yeah. that, that was in the question. You okay. did. You must have just eliminated it from your brain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. K State needs to win out. If K State doesn't win out, yeah, they're they're going to fall to where they're going to fall to. 
Liberty probably. Look, this is this is one of those years. You look at last year. There were a lot of teams that were playing up in bowl games in most years they probably wouldn't be in. Right. And this year, you're going to be playing down. You're, there's going to be a lot of good teams playing in maybe some lesser bowls, like the Liberty. No no disrespect oh, to will. any of these bowls. Um, but the Liberty Bowl, the, tac- the Cactus Bowl, they're going to get some good teams this year. It's just the way it, the way it's going to play out. I'm with you, though. I hope moving forward when this conference realigns its bowls. And, and honestly, I don't think the Big 12 office, um, maybe it does now, appreciates how bored people get with going to the same destinations over and over. If K-State and, goes to Liberty Bowl, not, not many fans will go again. And that's an argument to do the SEC model. Right. The SEC is going to prevent stuff like that. Right. They're not going to – they they understand – the fan base and saying, Hey, we can't send a team to the Liberty bowl three out of four years in a row. Kind of thing <laughs> like LSU or is LSU going to play in the Texas bowl again? Probably not. No. I mean, it's just not, not realistic to have so few bowl games with so hope. I mean, once the PAC 12 schools come in and it collapse and that conference collapses officially, there's going to be a lot of bowl games that need new partners. Bring on Holiday Bowl, Holiday in Las Vegas Bowl, Las Vegas 1A, Bowl. Um, I'm thinking of other LA Bowl, something else. You know, just I'm not anything. crazy about the LA Bowl, but even you go down the list, the New Mexico Bowl is something different. And instead of having the Armed Forces or List Serve, yeah, Serve Pro, the Sun Bowl, Sun Bowl, anything, just freshen it up for right. fans. And then in the next five-year cycle, freshen it up again. Because of what's happening with the conferences, we're going to be down to four power fives. It'll be power four then. See what I did? And I just saw something. The Pac-2 is hoping to expand in a few years. Um, They've changed the rules now where the Pac-2 won't get a spot because you got to have at least eight schools in your conference. So that's good. But, I mean, there's going to just be so many bowls and so many – um, overlapping, you, know, you might play the SEC in three different bowls, and the Big Ten in three different bowls, and the ACC in two different bowls. You know, you're just gonna. It's just the way it's gonna be. Honestly, I'd love it if the bowl committees just got together and said there are no such thing as conference affiliations with bowls. We are going to have a draft. You're going to have an order. What bowl game priority you are. And, you know, let's say the Alamo Bulls, the best non-year six bowl. Let them have first pick every year of what teams they want. Make the ga- make good games. I agree. <laughs> That's really if, – if you like bowl season and you like the bowl game structure versus, you know, having the playoff too. And, you know, there's been – you know, I think you've mentioned, you know, either just do away with it and do a playoff or commit to the bowls. I think the way you commit to the bowls is letting them pick the best teams all the way down. I, I got to be honest, I I don't trust the bowl committees to do the right thing. And I think they would just end up picking, you know, whatever shiny object they can get a hold of. Because there used to be a day when fan attendance was a major part of bowl games. Selling those tickets was a major part. It made K-State very attractive. But now it's all about TV ratings and the perception of TV ratings. <coughs> Excuse me. Goodness. Um, and... K-State doesn't come out on top of that. Uh, they'll take the Alamo Bowl in a few years uh, would take 6-6 six and six Texas and, you know, 6 and I don't even know who else. But 
if they could just get two big names, they'd be happy. And but but the good news is there's going to be other bowls that are oh. looking at good schools that with good records that are available. And they say, we can make a great football game for you. The Wimigo Bowl. The Yaz Bowl. The, right there no, in Wimigo. The Boomtown Bowl. Oh, is that what that is? Boomtown? Because the fireworks? Yeah, that's what they call themselves. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. All right. You ready for basketball? Yeah, let's do okay. it. Okay. From Doug142, one, one, which newcomer has been the best surprise for you so far? And aside from the Naquan Tomlin situation, what do you expect more than what we've seen so far? Well, the, the best newcomer certainly has been Day-Day Ames, but have I been surprised by that? Not at all. So, so you take him over Tyler Perry? As far as being a surprise? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm, I, I, I think guess. Perry's fallen short of my expectations. Um, I even agree. though his numbers look good, the first two games, a lot of it was padded at the end of the game. Yeah, Perry's been a great shooter, especially in the second half of those games, but his defense, finding his, his teammates, all that stuff, I think all needs work. He's so. not a creator. Absolutely not. And that, when I watched tape of him, that was my thought. This is mm-hmm. this is not a true point guard like Marquise Noel. Yeah. This is an off guard that can play point. And me and Cole were talking last night about this. Um, he, he's Nigel Pack pretty much. Spot, you know, sharpshooter. Yep. You can put the ball through the net. But other than that, a lot, in my opinion, and you agree, Fitz, a lot to work on. Yeah, but Diddy Ames is going to be special. Is that a Tyler the Creator joke? Does Fitz even know who that is? I don't even think he got. I don't even think he got. He made a great little reference, and it didn't didn't land. <laughs> well, I know I know Tyler Dryling very well. I didn't know he's the no, creator. That's and so we're talking about rapper. delicious beef. Yeah. Okay. As far as a surprise, though, R.J. Jones, I did not expect him to do what he did. I know it's just one game against a, albeit a good South Dakota State team. I didn't expect him to play that way. Against some Big 12 teams, we'll see if he can replicate that moving forward. You know, when Clover comes back, when if, you know, if and when Kaluma and Tomlin are back, um, who knows how much he even sees the court. But I was probably leaning on him redshirting this year, to be quite honest with you. And now these injuries have happened and he's going to be needed. He's stepped up. So he's been a big surprise. As for Tomlin, you know, who's going to step up without him? You would hope it. David Gasson would be that guy. And. Man, he's just he's just kind of been eh this year. I know he had, I think, 11 rebounds on Monday against South Dakota State. That was solid. But when you lose your stars like that, you expected Gasson to be the guy to step up. It's been Jones. It's been Ames. And Gasson's probably been disappointing. I think he's still got a, a lot of room to grow. Well, the emergence of Will McNair, who I might put up on that okay. list too, yes, yes. Um, yeah. who has been far better than what I thought he would be. And, Lord, how did this guy not play at Mississippi State? I don't understand. Um, he's got good handles. He moves well in the post. He rebounds. Uh, to get him on the court in the shortage of having those wing guys like Kaluma and um, Tomlin, you, you move Gasson out to the wing, and that's not his thing. I know he'd like to be on the wing. I know he'd like that to be his position. But his quickness in the post made him so effective last year. He beats people up and down the court. Um, he defends with um, his quickness because he doesn't have the bulk. Um, and I think he's just kind of finding his way now. He's really kind of lost uh, not being in the post, which is ironic because he's not a true post player. Last year he had the foot injury to maybe give him a pass for not being all the way there. Right now I don't know what would be holding him back. So there's no excuses there. But since we talked about the freshman 
Michaela Bridge deserves a mention. I think his athleticism has been on full display, but I would caution, you know, anybody listening to, to take a step back and look at the minutes that he's playing, look at how raw he still is on the court. Obviously he's got a really explosive element to his game. That's only going to get better, but there's a reason he's not playing 20 minutes a game like RJ and Day Day did against South Dakota State. He's still got a lot of room to grow. And so while I think our, McCaleb's future is very bright, I, I wouldn't get your hopes too high on Rich for this first season in Manhattan unless these injuries continue to add up and then maybe you're going to have to see him step up into a bigger role. But once K-State gets healthier, if these you know specific players can come back, you know I think McCaleb Rich might be I don't know if he'll be under Manning or, or Finister, but he's going to be down there with them on the depth chart. Yeah. And honestly, those two have been disappointing. I mean, I thought Manning would be more effective at this point, um, but he's still a redshirt freshman. And yeah. Finister, he's actually shown some flashes of being okay, but other times he just looks out of place. To be quite honest with you, and this is just my opinion, the redshirt for Finister that they were able to get last year. I feel like they almost would have just been better off redshirting Finister this year and letting next season be his sophomore season. But what do I know? They did get that redshirt. They did. So right now, he or did I mess up? No, but you get it. You get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, They yeah. did get the redshirt. So if they didn't, though, I feel like redshirting him now would have been just a okay. Yeah. But with the, 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 they need him the right injuries now. on top of the roster, you do need him. Yeah. So I guess it did work and out. And they played um, Monday night with 10 players, scholarship players. So, I mean, that that means when three of them are freshmen and two of them are Taj Manning and Dorian Finister, yeah, it, it gets kind of thin. It does. From AWINT25, how concerning is it that Jerome Tang already feels the need to challenge his team through the media, Kaluma and McNair, to buy in and demand a higher level of play? Along with the Naquan Tomlin situation, is this something that we will continue to see until Tang has a full roster of high school players he recruited? I don't think it's uncommon for a coach to challenge his players. Bill Snyder would do it all the time. I, I don't think I don't. I'm not alarmed by that at all. Um, you know, I had an interesting discussion with Coach Tang after uh, the Bellarmine, Bellarmine, Bell, Bellerman, Bell, Bellerman. The the bell. It's, a, it's a Division two name, the, and they're somehow a Division one school. Bell, bell hops. <laughs> That's a good Bellman. way to put it. Um, and he appreciated my daily delivery. You know, talking about how K State just wasn't good in Vegas, but this isn't a finished product. And he doesn't want a finished product right now. I mean, he he wants to peak at the right time. He wants to get that head of steam going through the season, like we saw last year. And when you're putting together so many pieces, uh, season to season, as he's going to do this year again and maybe next year too um you are going to have some growing pains as you try to discover yourselves but you're right in the fact that eventually you know his goal is to have veteran guards and after next year uh, those guys that'll be sophomores Ames and Jones are going to be juniors and you're right and at that point maybe there will be less transfer portal stuff more incoming freshmen, kind of that foundation of the program you need, a portal guy in here to plug a hole there. You know, I, I get that. But, yeah, he's going to challenge his team in any way possible. He He's a master motivator, whether it's said in practice, said in public. He kind of pushes the buttons all over the place. From So, uh, hang on. Oh. Kleiman is certainly more optimistic than Tang, just with talking about his players 
Kleiman rarely says, quite honestly, Kleiman rarely says anything bad about his players, right? Oh, this guy's doing good with this, good with that. Tang, he's gonna he's gonna say it like what's on his mind. He's gonna he's gonna tell us that, right? And so whether that's good or bad, I, I don't care. That's not what we're here to debate. But it, he does he does do that. But with Kaluma and. I guess Kaluma specifically, I don't know if his comments might have been taken the wrong way when he said, quote unquote, buy in. It, it sounds like Kaluma just needs to accept being more of a team player and, and not try to be that superstar on the team. Because when you hear a coach say buy in, you think, oh, they're not giving it. They're all in practice, stuff like that. They're not accepting the principles. Yes. So, But look, I, I, I'm not, ex- not going to uh, say we took it wrong because buy in to me has a pretty clear cut meaning. I think. Coach Tang just kind of misspoke in how he wanted to describe the situation, but I don't uh, know. So buy-in means you're not engaged. I mean that, it, and he, he now he's saying he's he is engaged. He's just not into the. He's trying to do too much. Trying to do too much is radically different than not buying in. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying though, Gills. Like he said, buy-in. It may not be. You know, he's obviously. You know, when he was playing, he was playing well, but. You know, not being the superstar, kind of like you said, you need to buy into what we're trying to do, mm-hmm. essentially, instead yeah. of versus versus not being engaged. But like, hey, here's the goal. You need to buy into this versus, you know, doing your own thing, which, you know, might be good. You know, you might be playing well, but it's not necessarily good for the team, if that makes yeah. sense. So what you what you just said, yeah. Tank could have said in 15, 20 seconds. I right. Was, I think it was Kellis that asked him what Kaluma needs to do to be more specific, consistent. Buy in, and then Killis kind of went. So does that buy in? And Tang, that was it. That's pretty. Yeah. So I don't know if Tang misspoke or not. I, I really don't. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, I feel like I know what buy in <laughs> means, and I feel like maybe yeah. this is a case where uh, his words were too severe for the situation, yeah. and he's he's backed up with yeah. it. And you know, they they Kaluma was injured, apparently a knee problem. Um, I. Okay. Yeah. Let's see what happens in the Bahamas. Well, even last year when he mentioned me with the starting lineup, my tweets, like I still to this day don't know if he was being snarky or sarcastic or genuine. I We don't know. I don't think we don't have a good <laughs> grasp of, of Tang's comments quite yet, even though he's in his second year. Some of the stuff that he says is kind of vague. Yeah. You know what? That's so true. When you're around a coach for many years, you start to learn to understand their sense of humor. I told Coach Kleiman, speaking of which, after or before today's, no, it was after today's press conference on Tuesday, that some people took his comment about Fitz thinks it's easy to win in the Big 12. Some people took that seriously, and that's just Kleiman. He goes, I do bust on you a lot, and I go, it's funny. It's sarcasm. I get it. And if you understand sarcasm, you you get it. But some people are like, why is he so mean to you? He's not. It's actually the opposite. Last question of the podcast from Kned: Would you rather play a legit opponent first, risking fan base angst, or uh, nothing but one bid league opponents? Like in basketball. Yeah, this is a basketball I, question. I, yes. I don't care. Because losing to Southern Cal, they hate it being called that, by the way, USC <laughs> in uh, the opener will have no bearing on K-State's selection. In fact, if USC turns out to be really good this year, which they appear to be, that will actually help, even though you lost. Basketball and football are so radically different in how the weighting of each game. I don't even think basketball games count like a third of what a football loss does. I don't. Um 
you see teams get in with, you know, records that aren't that impressive, but they played a lot of really good teams, and they actually get credit for losing to good teams. Do you see K-State football getting credit for losing to good teams? No, you don't. Um, if if so, they would be solidly in the top 20 um, because they've lost to three pretty good teams, except Oklahoma State just kind of crapped all over that theory. They're still ranked. It's just... K-State <laughs> drops out of the rankings for losing at Missouri. Oklahoma stays in for getting housed at a bad UCF team. I mean, they've been bad all year. Granted, they've had the backup quarterback, but a quarterback doesn't change you from losing by 20 to winning by 42 points. I mean, they just got their ass kicked. They should be out of the rankings. They should be shamed. The mullet should be cut. They shouldn't be in the Big 12 championship picture. Yeah, right. Just get them out of there. So, no, I I, I, I really don't care. I, it's one of those things like if Jerome Tang thinks challenging his team this early is a thing to do, uh, then yeah. But I think now that he looks over it, he's like, ah, I did kind of bite off more than I can chew, particularly because we are leaning on those freshmen. And boy, did those freshmen look overmatched in that game. And granted, they've come home and played two games against much lesser foes, less athletic foes, and they have looked much more comfortable and better. And I think the root cause of that is that's closer to the competition that they faced throughout their high school careers and their AAU careers. They were better than those guys. But to run in a team full of guys that are better than them was a lesson. Maybe that will be a good thing when all of a sudden a Houston or a Kansas or whomever else in this conference, Texas, rolls around. They won't be surprised by the level of play. So it can, go, it can cut either way. But losing to SC does not impact you at all at season's end um, and unless you've had a whole bunch of other losses. And how are you pointing to that one game as the, as the problem? If this loss to open the season is the one that can make or break your resume to get into the NCAA tournament, then this was a massive <laughs> failure of a season right. for K State. Right. That's what you're going to look at, right? But Tang has mentioned this. You know, everybody on this team has mentioned how that loss to to USC is given them some stuff on on film to work on and right. get better at. And so, and I agree, I 100% agree. I'm in that opinion that this is, it was a good thing. I, I have no problem with them doing it. Even if they were to have lost it by 60 points, I don't care if it's on national television, you saw the weaknesses on your team, you get to improve upon them. And while it's, it's tremendous to see what day day Ames did against Bell or whatever, what RJ Jones did against also Popeye Jones is his Google name. I'm sure you all have seen that, right? What? Anyways, that's a topic for it. That's your that's your oh, you don't? delivery. Yeah, on Google, when you search for RJ Jones, it comes up as Popeye Jones. And so on and the it's correct. You know, the stats on but Google. The stats was on was Google. the guy known as Popeye Jones actually RJ Jones too? No. Popeye no. Jones is a former something long time ago. We have oh, no clue. But I'm, I mean, obviously his name wasn't really Popeye. Was his name RJ? I don't know. Weird. Anyways, Who I'm knows? sorry for going down that rabbit hole. But well, where's Buddy Rich? Where'd Buddy Rich come from? Yeah, Buddy, I don't know where that came from at all. It's kind of been shot down, though. I know, and now it's back to Caleb. Caleb. But anywho, I, I was saying RJ and Dayday had tremendous games recently at home. Uh, that's great and all, but how much are they really – you're not figuring anything else about figuring – you know what I'm trying to you're, say. No, we I don't. You, you got, you're, you're not, not down figuring anything path. else out about yourself that you didn't already know. Right. right. Those weaknesses aren't coming up against South Dakota State. They're just not. And so, to, But at least you got the confidence back after what confidence, happened. Confidence, all that stuff. See the ball go through the net. Tremendous. But against USC, 
that was it was an ugly game, especially I think top to bottom, not just the freshmen, but everybody played poor in that game. You can only go up from there. And the only real concern of playing this game would be if you were so concerned that your locker room was so fragile that an opening night loss would would rattle them. But they've been fine. They've bounced back just OK. And again, these games in the Bahamas, if K-State only wins one, if they win zero. Little concerning, sure. Maybe if you lose to Georgia, that's that is going to be a concern. But a loss to Providence, I'm not going to shame this team for win or lose. It's still much a, a team in development at this point in the team in the season. So did the devil go to Georgia or to the Bahamas? I'm really confused by the lyrics now. I think the devil. is this the Tyler the Creator song? Yeah, this is it. Yeah, yeah. That's Tyler. I'm a big fan of uh, Tyler the 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 cremated creator. That's it for the podcast, isn't it? Is it over? Is that it? Oh, it's so sad when it comes to an end. This was a long one. Well, you got to remember that half of it was you were upstairs talking to your neighbor when the dogs barked. That's not going to appear in this podcast. I thought you were going to keep it in here. We had Zach restart his answer. His first answer was going to be brilliant. His second one, eh. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.